0: Welcome to the Brad Walker show you're listening to me on mixed and iTunes Thank you for tuning in today um, Feels good to be back I haven't, I haven't done this in a while you know since TBT for you the local followers um, but This is now my new this is now my new medium uh, This is how you'll be listening to me A okay, pair of podcasts I'm here at Penn State for you those of you who don't know um, But I'm going to start off and I'm going to start off defending people who I really didn't think I would have to defend and I'm going to defend somebody who I've always sort of, I don't really know how to put it, not been a fan of, but recently I've been starting to defend him a bit more. And uh, the guy who I'm starting off with is going to be Tony Romo. And uh, Romo's a guy that people love to bash, and it's easy. I mean, he's 1-3 in the playoffs. Um, I mean, he ha- he has those games where he doesn't look good, he throws picks. But, I mean, if you look at him this year, he's really been unbelievable. And, um, I mean, he has a great offensive line. If you take out the first game, his last two games where they've blown out the Rams and blown out the Saints, who are a sweetheart of many people in the country, he's been 18-23, 217 yards, two TDs against the Rams with one pick, and they won that game. And he was 22-29, 263 yards, three TDs, no picks when they obliterated New Orleans. I mean, that's a that's a great stat line to me and the reason is i mean he's got a bunch of time with the great offensive line demarco murray looks really good um but the punchline is just that everybody's waiting for the tony romo that we all know and love right the guy who throws the picks chokes everything away um but look at this i mean if out without tony romo there's no way the Cowboys are even in the equation where he's in the opportunity, where he does come up small. Uh, with that being said, I mean, it's hard to win in the playoffs. So, I mean, when you look at his success being 1-3, eh, I mean, yeah, it's 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 not good. I mean, Tim Tebow won a playoff game, but, I mean, the Cowboys are a dysfunctional organization. I mean, the GM of that team is Jerry Jones. And we we all know about Jerry Jones, how... He's just a money guy, loves the Cowboys too much, where he wants to be coaching from up in the stands as well, um, where he really should be in the box, is focusing on financial situations. So, I mean, Jerry hasn't done a lot to put people around him, except for this year when they drafted another offensive lineman high. They have the best offensive line in the game. Finally, Romo's got time. And, uh, I mean, you know, coming off his back surgery, went the first game against the Niners when he threw three picks and was horrible he wasn't healthy and it was funny, you know, to look at social media and say, Oh, there's Tony Romo. Get him. Why is he still in the league? And then Romo goes out and has three great games. Cowboys are, or two great games. Social media is quiet because everybody's just waiting for Romo to be horrible. And honestly, I'm an Eagles fan. So I, I really never thought I'd be defending Tony Romo. Who's the quarterback of the Cowboys. Who's, you know, a, a big rival, of the Eagles, but, uh, I, you know, putting on my analyst hat here, I I have to be subjective. And what I see is a bunch of talent in Romo, and he's really, really progressed, and he looks good. I mean, um, listening to Colin Cowherd, he's a do-it-the-right-way kind of guy. Um, after the game when Tony Romo got interviewed with DeMarco Murray on NBC, Tony Romo, notorious for wearing his hat backwards, he wore it forwards. Sign of maturity. Demarco Murray had his head on backwards. Romo flips it around, forwards, the right way. Because I mean, I don't I don't know why. I think it's just more of a maturity thing. It's kind of a new team, new style. Um, so that that was that was a big big deal to me. And uh, it, it it looked good for the Cowboys that they're finally you know becoming mature. You've seen the problems with Dez Bryant on the sidelines, but hey, this might be in the right direction for the Cowboys. <clears throat> but now I'm going to have to defend the person that I never thought I'd have to defend. It's Derek Jeter. And if you guys follow me on Twitter, at BWACA, you saw me kind of getting into it with the old guys, my TBT crew, over Derek Jeter. And I just said, there's no way Derek Jeter isn't the best shortstop of all time. I don't care. Honus Wagner that my guy Tyson threw out there. He's, Jeter's far better than Wagner. And when Oberman went and ripped him, it, w- it was ridiculous saying he's not the best on his own teams. Okay, uh, sorry, Keith Oberman, but uh, do you remember that time period when Jeter played? It was called the steroid era, and Jeter notoriously was one of the only people who wasn't on steroids. And so when Oberman said, well, he didn't have the best numbers on his team, uh, he plays shortstop, a position that's not a power, a power position where you expect power numbers to come out of. And he played in the steroid era when half his team, majority of his team, was on juice. So how are you expecting him to even put up great numbers in the first place? Second of all, listen to the numbers he did put up. 3,465 hits. Only five people in the history of baseball had more. And by the way, that's the most by a shortstop, those hits. He had 1,013 multi-hit games. Only three other people had more multi-hit games than him. I mean, these numbers are ridiculous. Not to mention he had nine, 9 or 1,923 runs, ninth all-time. And he, in the regular season, he had a three ten batting average. But wait, that jumps to in the World Series, you know, the captain, Mr. Clutch, Derek Jeter, he had a three twenty-one batting average in the World Series. The dude's got five rings, one MVP, In that uh, World Series game. I know he never had a regular season MVP. But come on. When people are infatuated by the home run ball. Derek Jeter doesn't have power in the steroid era. He had no chance to win it. Um, But what separates Derek Jeter apart from any other player. Is that he did the things right off the field. As much as he did it on the field. And he's just a great proponent of. You do things the right way. and And good things will happen for you. And I don't know why people are sitting here and just taking shots at Derek Jeter, saying, why does he get this special treatment? Because he's a once-in-a-lifetime player. There will never be another player like Derek Jeter. I mean, there will be some that will be better, I'm sure, but there won't be one that's Derek Jeter. Just the right way to play in a, in the age of social media where you don't have problems hearing about Derek Jeter with DUI or domestic violence that's happening rampantly across sports. I mean, he's just a once-in-a-lifetime guy. And, and when Oberman blasted him, I was sitting there First of all, I'm not a fan of Oberman. I think he's really over d- dr- dramatic and the angles that he comes from are just ridiculous. Um so I mean, when he when he went off on him, I just said, "Really? That what you're coming from is way off base saying that he wasn't the best player on his teams. and that's the angle Tyson took too in saying he wasn't the best player on his team when he won the World Series. Um I mean, what what do you want me to say? I mean, so that doesn't it doesn't count that he won five rings because he wasn't the best player. So it, it doesn't matter that Pippen won with Jordan. It does You should just take that away. Wade wasn't the best player when he was on the Heat. These for the uh, two peat with LeBron. So let's just get take those rings away, right? Shaq wasn't the best player on that Heat team when Wade when Wade and Shaq won. Let's just take that ring away from him. I mean, Kobe wasn't even the best player on his team. When He won his first three rings with Shaq, so those three rings don't count. I mean, it's really just a ridiculous argument, and baseball is a team game. I mean, you have dominant pitchers. You need a power bat at first base, third base, whatever. You need a good outfield, and you obviously um, you need a good shortstop, which Derek Cheater was. So that argument that he wasn't the best player his team is completely outdated, ridiculous. It's just for people looking for a problem. In a in a really great career. And in my opinion, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Unanimous. So I just think there's going to be those riders that won't vote him in. Because nobody else in the history of the game has been a unanimous vote. So uh, I think people are already pointing out flaws in Jeter's career. And um, so I don't think he'll be unanimous. If there's one person that deserves it, it could be Jeter. Um, but I think he'll definitely be a Hall of Famer. A first ballot Hall of Famer. The second guy that I didn't think I'd ever have to defend, but I've had to defend him more and more lately, is Tom Brady. And, you know, for those of you who watched the Monday night game last night, he was terrible. Two picks, one return for a touchdown. He had a fumble on a strip sack. But is he a terrible player? No. Did he have a terrible game? Yes. And those people who love to criticize Brady, you know, wearing the Uggs or whatever, oh, this proves Tom Brady's terrible. Oh really? You, you've you've never had a terrible day. You you've never had a bad day at the office. You never had a bad day in school where nothing went right. I mean, come on. Let, just just stop for right now. Just stop. Look at what Tom Brady has around him. He has a horrible O line with no offensive weapons. Who's his best receiver right now? Julian Edelman, who is a college quarterback, and who is a college quarterback? Are you serious? Gronkowski is a shell of himself. He's like an eighty-year-old man in this twenty-six-year-old body. The person who went off last night was Brandon LaFell, who was basically ran out of Carolina who doesn't have receivers right now. So that shows you what that organization thinks of him. Kimbrell Tompkins, Anthony Dobson can't stay healthy. They can't they can't be on the field. It's it's ridiculous. It's Brady out there with the offensive line that started two rookies last night who got rid of their offensive line coach and traded Logan Mankins, their best offensive lineman. Brady's not mobile. You have Tomba Lee running at him. What's he supposed to do? He looked terrible. Um, it, and, you know, there's conspiracy theories out there that Bill Simmons is throwing around that the organization wants Brady to look bad so they have an excuse to get rid of him. And I don't necessarily believe in that conspiracy theory, um, but it, it kind of makes sense because, you know, it's the one organization that would do something like that. Is the Patriots who personify, if you're, you want money, get out, because that's not how we do things like that. So, I can I could see that, but I don't see it at the same time because Brady's a Hall of Famer. He's about to join the fifty thousand yard club the next game uh, against the Bengals at home, which will be wild. um So I don't I don't know if Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, is ready to run him out just yet. Um, but going back to that to the fifty thousand yard club that he's about to join. He's going to do it next game at home against the Bengals, who coincidentally broke his other milestone for consecutive TDs last year before he could tie Drew Brees and possibly break the record the next week when he played Drew Brees. So I think Brady will be real fired up. This is a Sunday night game uh, on Sunday. All the lights are on. The Patriots are 2-2. Two and two. You know, everybody's calling for their heads right now, saying they're struggling. Um. Uh, I mean, I think I think they're going. I think you're going to see the Patriots of old. The defense is terrible. Um, I, I expect it to improve. Um, Belichick really needs to step it up. Brady needs to step it up. Everybody needs to step it up in that organization. Um, the other thing I want to touch on here is that in this age of fantasy football, if you don't put, if quarterbacks don't put up great numbers, people just say they're not great. You know, I mean, but fantasy numbers don't mean greatness. Jake Locker puts up great fantasy numbers. He's not better than Tom Brady. He's not better than Phillip Rivers. He's not better than Andrew Luck. He's not better than Russell Wilson. So, I mean, let's just cool it. If Brady goes two sixty-five, one TD and they win the game, that doesn't mean he's terrible. It means he's doing what he needs to do to win. Uh, Coming up, I'm going to do my Fantastic Five. Uh, Stay tuned. It's going to be something we do every Tuesday. After the game, I'm ranking my top five NFL teams. We're going to call it the Fantastic Five. Welcome back to the Brad Walker Show. Thanks for tuning in today. Um, Right now, I'm going to recap a little bit of Monday Night Football, and then, of course, I'm going to get into the Fantastic Five. Um, I touched on it a little bit earlier when I was talking about Tom Brady. Um, You know, I mean, the Chiefs looked really good last night, and I was talking to one of my friends from back home, Nick Simmons. Of course, he was ribbing me about, You know, my love for Tom Brady saying, is he still the best quarterback in the game? Of course, I said yes. Um, Starting to waver a little bit, and I'll tell you why in in a little bit. Um, But the Chiefs just looked really good, and that's what we both came to a consensus on, is that they just came out and punched the Pats in the mouth. I mean, they scored touchdowns on the second and third drive of the game, and the Pats had no answer. It, It was ridiculous. The Chiefs just completely dominated the trenches. They had three sacks. On Brady. And they had 207 rushing yards. Unbelievable. Jamal Charles torched him. Niall Davis torched him. Oh, I mean, it, it looked bad for the for the Patriots. And, I mean, I remember watching a run. Niall Davis goes right up the middle. There was nobody there on the linebackers. And all that was was a safety, and he was lucky to run Nile Davis out of bounds. I mean, it, was, it was ridiculous. I've never seen a Belichick defense just look so completely outmatched. And the guy they brought over, Revis. Who I was singing his praises. He can't. He can't cover anybody for some reason. It's ridiculous. I don't know what's going on. And then I think Brandon Browner is going to be back. Uh, if not this week against the Bengals, the week after, after being suspended for that or all the new drug uh, policy, he should be back. Um, but I mean, New England's offense is just horrendous as well. They only had 13 first downs. I mean, that that's terrible. Brady was horrible. You couldn't. Find anybody, and when he did, it was the other team. He had two picks, one that was returned to the house. As I said, he got sacked, strip fumble. It's very uncharacteristic Brady, and they just look out of sync right now. I mean, and the critics are just loving this right now because the Patriots, you know, perennial powerhouse. Um, they're they're feeding off this, but I don't. I mean, it's it's bad, but um, I don't think this is the problem for the Patriots because if you look at this. It's eerily similar to that 2003 championship they won. They started off losing their first game in 03. They started off losing the first game this season to the Dolphins. That Monday night game, the loss at Chiefs, is the second worst loss in the Belichick-Brady era. The first was to the Bills, 31-0, in 2003 when they eventually won the championship. So, I think we all need to just calm down a bit. It's only four games into the season. That was just the corner mark, the quarter mark of the, um, of the regular season. So, we all need to take a breath. The Patriots are going to win the division. They're probably going to get home field advantage. Um, we, so, let's just all just cool it a little bit. Uh, so, that's going to lead me into, into my Fantastic Five. Who, who are my top five teams right now? And number five, I got the Philadelphia Eagles. Call me a homer if you want, but the Eagles look really good. The offense is explosive. Even with McCoy's bad start, they're three and one Nick Foles, not sold on him, but he fits well in that chip Kelly system. Forget about the game against the Niners. They're that the Niners defense is ridiculous. And they're showing up on the list in a little bit. The only problems I got with the Eagles are their secondary. Who's really weak besides Malcolm Jenkins, who looks good. Um, The pass rush, they can't get after anybody. So it's just more pressure on the, on the uh, secondary, and their slow starts in the first half—that's Th- a; those are all big issues for me that I think they need to figure it out. But their next two games are home against the Rams and Giants, so they could be five one going into the bye week, which is a big deal. Our number four team are the Cincinnati Bengals. They're three zero. Their defense is the best in the league, averaging el- only giving up eleven points a game, which is unheard of. Their roster is extremely talented. The only limitations this team has is Andy Dalton. Who's a game manager. I know that's a, a negative term. And I'm going to use it as a negative term. He doesn't take shots down the field. He AJ Green's out. So it's Mohamed Sanu, Sanu. Who they're relying on. Giovanni Bernard. I think Green should be healthy. If not this week. The next week is the rumor. Um, But the Bengals. I mean look at this. Look, They always have a good start. Then they get to the playoffs. And then they lose. Because Andy Dalton is limited. Um. Their next game is at New England, and that's going to be their first loss on my, on Sunday night. My number three team is the San Francisco 49ers. They're two and two, but they're way better than that record. And they just beat a surging Eagles team who's looking for four and zero, and they stopped that in the momentum, and they looked good doing it. I mean, Kaepernick, I know he's getting a lot of criticism, but he's starting to figure it out. The only problem with Kaepernick is he only has one one pitch basically he's only got a fastball he doesn't put too much loft on it even when throwing it downfield because he knows his arm is so strong that he just tries to gun it in there every time he's like he's like a brett Favre. um he's like brett Favre, but doesn't have as much arm strength which is which is surprising because if you've seen a guy throw the football um it's pretty impressive, and that in that one throw he had to Frank Gore when he was running rolling out to his left throws completely off his back foot across the field. to Frank Gore who runs in for the touchdown just shows how immensely talented this guy is. But this roster is the most talented in the NFL. Once they get healthy again, once they get Alden Smith back, Navarro Bowman, we don't know when he'll be back after that gruesome knee injury. Um, their secondary should get a lot more healthy. They're going to be something to reckon with in the NFL and uh, we'll we'll see what they're made of coming up though. I mean, their next three games are home against the Chiefs, who looked good. I have I have Niners beating them at Rams on Monday night, who always seem to be a tough matchup for the Niners. And then at the Broncos on Sunday night, which will be a big game. So we'll we'll see how they're either be 2 and 5, 5 and 2 or somewhere in the middle there. So we'll really see what they're made of here. And number 2 I got the Arizona Cardinals. <clears throat> They're 3-0 with a quarterback named Drew Stanton in the last two games. Carson Palmer got, has been hurt. Not too sure when he's back. Um, but they've beaten three good teams. The Chargers, who are phenomenal, who are going to make a run in, that, in uh, the division the Broncos are in. The AFC West. The Giants, who are starting to look a lot, lot better. Starting to figure it out with a new offensive coordinator. Eli looks like the old Eli when he won, won the Super Bowl. And they just beat the and they beat the 49ers before the bye week. And the 49ers, like I said, are good. Um, but the Arizona Cardinals defense is the second best in the league behind the Bengals. They just are dominant. And this is without Darnell Dockett, who's injured, and Tyron Matthew, who should be back in a couple weeks. Once Matthew comes back, it's just going to add a whole other dimension to that secondary, who's already good with Patrick Peterson, who's probably second, third best cornerback in the league. Um... But they're going to have a big test coming up against the Broncos on Sunday where they have to travel to mile high. We'll see how they do. Coming off the bye week, though, they were able to prepare. But you're never able to prepare for Peyton Manning. My number one team is the Seattle Seahawks. They're 2-1 with the only loss to the Chargers, which was in San Diego in blistering heat. Even, Chargers fan, even the Chargers players were just like, wow, it was hot. So imagine coming from Seattle where it's always raining, Typically, 65 in rain, overcast. Down to 100 in San Diego with insane heat. Uh, this is just the Seahawks are obviously the best team in the NFL. They're physical. They're fast. They want to get after you. Their receivers take hits and laugh. Their running back is a beast. They have Russell Wilson, and that, that's really all you need to say because Russell Wilson is just a freak. I think he's, I think he's top five quarterbacks in the game right now. I, I really do. I think if I was starting a team right now, I would take Andrew Luck, then I would take Russell Wilson. I think he's that good. I, 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 He's unbelievable. This is a new new style of football. You have to be mobile. Russell Wilson is phenomenal. And I'd even, he looks like Drew Brees, but better. I think Russell Wilson right now is better than Drew Brees. Actually, he is better than Drew Brees. Drew Brees, the Saints, they're overrated. I'm going off on a tangent here. They're America's sweetheart. Drew Brees can't do anything wrong. But if you look at them, he's out of sync with his receivers. He doesn't look good. He's not the Drew Brees that spread it around. And really the new Drew Brees, 2.0, is Russell Wilson because he ha- can throw it just as good as Brees, and he can run. He can On a third and ten, when all your receivers are covered, he can get to that first down stick before you ha- have time to look back and see where he is. So, I mean, Russell Wilson is a big, big reason why I think the Seahawks have a chance to 2 Something that hasn't been done since the Patriots. And their next game is at the Redskins, then home against the Cowboys. I mean, that looks like 4-1 to me. Even though the Cowboys are much improved, it, it, the Seahawks are just the better team. But, I mean, what one thing I do want to say about the Seahawks is that they, they're not as good as last year. They're just as fast, but they lost Golden Tate, who was a big option. I mean, Russell Wilson is better. But that's that's about it. I mean, that's that's really the only improved part of this roster is Russell Wilson's better. They lost Brandon Browner, Browner who didn't play last year, and they lost a couple pass rushers on the inside. It's going to be easier to run the football on them, too. They lost some beef on the inside. But the Seattle Seahawks are going to continue to be the, the top tier of the league until somebody knocks them off, which uh, we'll, we'll see if that happens anytime soon. And, you know, if why don't have any Broncos in the top five? As they just came off the bye week and I w- wasn't able to see him last week. Um so you know, and, and when I was able to see him, they haven't been impressive. They're two and one with their loss to the Seahawks, which they did go into overtime, but the Seahawks really did just kind of flip off the switch, which enabled the Broncos to come back. Manning looks old and his arm looks weak. I mean, he's he's not impressive at all. They haven't won a game by over seven points. <clears throat> Which is surprising when you consider that the Broncos were the best team in September, October last year, when they looked, when they were blowing everybody out. Manning looked ridiculous, and now you compare that to this team. They they're just not not that good as they were uh, starting, and it's all up to Manning. And I am kind of fear for that team when it gets a little bit colder out, and you know it's the old saying is, Manning gets worse when the when the weather gets colder. So we'll see how Manning, who already looks weaker and older, how he fares in cold weather. Um. The but the Broncos' goal was to get more physical and match up with the Seahawks more a little bit faster, um, and I think they did that. But they're they're still not not close. I I don't think they're as good as the Cardinals, and I don't think they're as good as the Niners. And even if I saw them play last week, they'd be. Lucky to be in the top five. I think the Eagles are better than the Broncos, and I think the Bengals are as well. Um, maybe they'll prove me wrong after Sunday when if if they can beat the Cardinals. But uh, uh, I mean, we'll see. So Dennis Dennis Allen, uh, the coach of the Ra- Raiders, he was just fired, and I mean, if you look at this Raiders team, they're just not good. They're not they're not ready to win. And part of it's Dennis Allen's, Dennis Allen's fault. I mean, he started off 0-4. They're off The offensive system has not been good. The rookie quarterback, Derek Carr, he hasn't looked comfortable like he did in the preseason. And it's just, it's Oakland. I mean, it's in turmoil. And I, thought, I really thought they're taking the next step, turning the corner um, by drafting better. You know, not just trying to draft the fastest guys like Al Davis did, the Owner, old owner of the Raiders who died, rest in peace. Um, they really drafted players to fit the system, but it's just it's just not enough. And Reggie McKenzie the GM fired Dennis Allen, who is his first hire as a GM, and now and now everybody's looking at Reggie McKenzie and saying, Alright, you better step it up. We better get some more play, more talent in this in this area, or else you're gonna be gone too. And honestly. Reggie McKenzie needs to go, and I don't. I don't like calling for people. I don't want to call for somebody's job, but if you look at the track record of both Dennis Allen, who's proven that he can't coach in the NFL as a head coach, and look at the general manager Reggie McKenzie, he can't get players that he can't get players and can't get coaches that help the organization succeed. So I, I think it's time for him to go too, and I think the Raiders need to completely reboot. And I do like the talent they have there, young talent. I just think they need somebody to be able to get the most out of that talent and get a gm that's able to add to that talent so i mean it, it's going to be tough but uh coming up next there's a big name that's going back to college apparently but i'll tell you if he actually is thank you for listening again um i'm gonna i'm gonna just dive right in right now and i'm, I'm gonna talk a little bit about a couple rumors or one rumor one big rumor that uh, seems to be just disc- um, the sports world. Just seems to be seems to be entranced on, and that, and that's Jim Harbaugh going to Michigan. And I don't see him going back to college. I'm just gonna say right now, there's no way he's going back to college. Michigan program is terrible right now. It's it's horrendous. I mean, it it's not a football program. I mean, it's just not good. I mean, look at them right now. They're supposed to be a Big Ten team. They got smoked by Utah. It just wasn't even close. And Utah's not a good team in the Pac-12. They lost to Minnesota. Minnesota, I mean, they're that's not a football power. It's not even a basketball power. I mean, they're just a bottom feeder, you know? So, I don't see Harbaugh going back to Michigan. It's just not an appealing place right now, especially when you have succeeded on the highest level of the NFL why would you go back to the NCAA where the rules are just ridiculous, where you have rules that you can talk to a guy for a day, next day you can't talk to him, and if you do, your program's going to be under scrutination. And, I mean, that's an exaggeration. But, I mean, it's it's not too far off, really. And, you know, I mean, Harva, I think if he does get fired from the Niners, he'll have a lot of NFL teams calling him. I think he'll be he'll parade himself around to the point where he'll have the pick of anywhere he wants to go. And the only reason his name, let me let me back up. The only reason his name's being rumored right now that he'll go to a Michigan job is cuz that Harbon, the owner of the Niners don't get along and that the owner tried to trade him to the Browns in the offseason even though he's had great success, tremendous success at the, uh, in the Bay Area and the most success recently that's been there in a long long time. And it's just Macho Man Harbaugh, and Macho Man, the owner of the Niners, not seeing eye to eye, and nobody wants to give in because they're both Macho Man. And it's it's uh, troubling, I think, if you're a Niners fan, because I think the next coach you get, I don't know, I really don't know if they'll be as that per that next coach will be as good as Jim Harbaugh, because I think Jim Harbaugh is just a phenomenal coach. But the rumor is right now that players are getting tired of Harbaugh. Um, one of the things is that he won't let him play cards on the uh, on the on the plane plane rides over. Um, you know, I mean, he's intent, Harbaugh's an intense guy, so it just wears on people after a while, and and that's fine in college, you know, like Nick Saban, intense guy. But when you have to spend ten years with the same guys, five years with the same guys in the pros, it, it wears on people that intensity every day, especially when. They're grinding hard every day. They just kind of want to relax when their whole life's football, and they just want to kind of get away from it. And Harbaugh just says, no, your whole life is football. Focus just on football. So, it, it, you know, I think it, Harbaugh's kind of just getting ran out of San Francisco right now. And I, I don't, But I don't think there's any way he goes back to Michigan, no matter how fast he gets run out, If that's if that's at the end of the season or if they struggle a little bit and the owner just says, whatever, we just want to fire him. Because, I mean, he really is just a QB guy. He's he's a quarterback whisperer, not as good as Bill O'Brien, but he is a quarterback whisperer. I mean, look what he did with Andrew Luck at Stanford. Uh, He he basically raised him and passed him off to David Shaw, who basically just created a system uh, like Harbaugh's where he would be able to floor so he could be an NFL star like he is nowadays. And there's nobody at Michigan right now That that is appealing for Harbaugh. I mean, their quarterback Devin Gardner is should be a wide receiver, and I think if he wants to play in the league, he'll have to transfer or not transfer, but uh, convert to a wide receiver. Their freshman quarterback's just not good. He he can't take a hit. He can't stand in the pocket. So it's just an unappealing situation right now. And I mean, I touched on Dennis Allen's firing with the Raiders earlier, um, across the bay, and that he started zero for four, and. I could really see Harbaugh going to Oakland. It's in the Bay Area, which Harbaugh loves. It's just right across the Bay. And Oakland has a fairly talented roster and a quarterback, Derek Carr, that's highly intriguing to many people across the league. His talent is... His ceiling of his talent is very, very high. And Hor- and uh, Harbaugh is a quarterback whisperer. I think he looks... At, Car over across the bay and he says wow I could really make him into something And if you look at the the Okay talent in that team Harbaugh really Gets players to play um, Better than what they are and He could really Get Oakland back to where they were Back when Howie Long was there Harbaugh's a nasty guy the Raiders Like being nasty There's some nasty players in that team I can really see it I can see the fit there and if he does get run out of the Niners, I think Oakland will come for him. And I think right now with you see the reason I think the Raiders fired their coach Dennis Allen is one, because he was horrible. I mean, he has an eight and 28 career record and they lost 10 straight dating back to last season, including this and four start this season. But I think the ownership kind of looks across the Bay and says, Hey, we, we see the struggles. We see, we hear the, uh, the uh, fighting between, in the organization between Harbaugh and the owners. And hey, um, we're going to kind of fire our coach here. We're terrible. We know it. If we can get a number one pick and offer Harbaugh a lot of money to be our coach, we could get back to where we were, especially with um, especially with uh, Derek Carr as our quarterback, knowing that Harbaugh will be able to get this guy going floor, and get him to flourish under his system. And it's very interesting, and I, I can definitely see it happening. And you know, I didn't think about it before until to, until I saw Dennis Allen getting fired, and I said, "I don't know if this is conspiracy, <laughs> but I mean, it definitely looks like Oakland wants hardball across the bay with them." And I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in the I'm gonna stay in the bay real quick, stay in the barrier, and I'm gonna switch to a little bit of baseball, um, a little you know the wild cards. Happening tonight, and uh, the A's play Kansas City at 8.07 is the official uh, first pitch. And it's Lesser versus Shields. And the A's are going to make a deep run. That's my prediction. The A's are going to beat Kansas City, and they're going to make a deep, deep run. I think they will go all the way to the American League Championship Series. And I predicted before the season started, the A's can win the championship. And uh, their pitching is the reason why their pitching is incredible in a game where nobody can hit anymore, the league's very, very um, against stimulants now. You know, obviously not only with steroids and HGH, but just simple amphetamines that can just get your body feeling healthier and recover faster. They banned 100-plus stimulants that allow players to recover faster. So hitters are worn out, and if you listen to this lineup, Listen to the starting four, and obviously there's a five-man rotation, but listen to this rotation. John Lester, proven. Sonny Gray, he looks fantastic for a young player. Jeff Samarja, finally out of Chicago, he's flourishing. Scott Kazmir, another guy in the Billy Bean system with Oakland, who's starting to look really, really good. And they do have players who can hit, even though they traded their uh, cleanup guy Cespedes for Lester. They have Josh Donaldson, who should be getting it going, and Josh Reddick. Both these guys need to get it going, and hit well if they want to make a run deep into the playoffs. And I mean, you know, they lost a bunch of games coming down the stretch before finally winning 162 to get into the wild card against the Rangers. You know, it it does make me a little nervous by their by their slide. But I, I I I look at this roster. And I look at their pitching, and I look at what they did last year when they were in the playoffs. and They looked really good. I mean, this is a team that's built for postseason success. High emphasis on pitching. The bullpen is great. The starters are great. Knowing that you can't uh, – nobody can hit. If you can shut them down, all you need is two runs, and you're going you're gonna to advance. So I really see the A's making a deep run. And like I said, I think they'll go to the championship league or the American League Championship Series, and they'll probably face the Angels, who's a big-time nemesis of theirs. And the last year, they couldn't get over the hump of the Tigers. This team's better than the Tigers, and even though the rotation of the Tigers looks very good with Verlander, Price, um, Scherzer, yeah, I mean, I still got I still like Oakland's. I mean, David Price has never really fit into the system in Detroit. He hasn't really looked comfortable. He had to leave a place he loved in Tampa Bay. Verlander's not the same guy. Fister, or uh, not Fister, um, Scherzer's the best player by far, the best pitcher by far. He's their ace. And then you got Andy Ball Sanchez, who's not bad. But I'm I'm a big fan of these a- this ace team, and I think the A's will get their revenge. And I really do think they're going to make a deep run, and they could possibly win the World Series like I predicted at the beginning of the season but coming up next I'm just trying to figure out where's the outrage over what a player said that seems to be a big deal to me stay tuned welcome back to the Brad Walker show we're here on the last segment here and uh, I mentioned where's the outrage over a certain aspect of what a player did and I'll get to that in a little bit but right now I gotta talk to about Rajon Rondo and he breaks his hand and he's out six to eight weeks um, he said he broke his hand by slipping in the shower and you know in this day and age of social media and people doing stupid things it's hard to believe him I, I'm a little skeptical personally when I heard he slipped in the shower it does seem a little far-fetched and if it comes out the, the truth will eventually come out and if the truth is that he actually did slip in the shower then hey I'm sorry for being a, I'm sorry for being a skeptic but if it comes out of something else Rajon Rondo, man, I'm tell, I'll tell you what, he's just not worth all the drama that he brings to a team. He's immensely talented, very talented, great assist man, um, can really dribble the ball, can, is, can get the team going in an offensive set, but he just brings so much drama to a team. I mean, he drove Ray Allen out of Boston. Ray Allen loved Boston, loved Pierce, loved Garnett, loved what he had there couldn't handle Rajon Rondo because he was just such a pest. Danny Ainge, the GM, he's played on great teams, played with Bird. Danny Ainge is tired of Rajon Rondo. I mean, he he wants to trade him. He's been trying to trade him for 2 years. Can't do it. Nobody wants him. Nobody wants Rajon Rondo no matter how talented he is. He's a team destroyer. I mean, he just I he just it's terrible, man. I I mean, what he does is that and little snips are coming out that just people are tired of him. He's a horrible teammate in the locker room. Um, and when I say he's terrible, I'm not talking about on court. Because on court, he, he's definitely a top five point guard in the league. He's got to be healthy, um, which his health questions are starting to rise in, in my mind right now because he had that dislocated elbow he suffered. He had the shoulder injury, his knee injury. Now he breaks his hand. And not only is he not as productive as he once was on the court. Obviously, the team's a little bit bad, but he's, he can't stay as healthy as he once was either. So I, so Rondo's just not worth the trouble. And I think it's time to turn the page on Rajon Rondo. He had a great run in the NBA, great run with the Celtics. And if he doesn't shape up his act, he's got five more years before he's done. I mean, it's just that simple. He can't shoot. He's getting older. He's getting slower. He won't be able to drive by everybody, especially with his health conditions that are arising so he's got five more years of his attitude doesn't change and if it doesn't goodbye rondo you had a great run and it's just another nba story yet you couldn't you couldn't handle it but now i'm gonna get to that i'm gonna get to that main story um when i i was just wondering where the outrage was i was just waiting for the outrage but and i i didn't see any i think i was the only one i feel like i was the only one that noticed even i even noticed the story so it's about LeBron James, and he says on Rachel, or on um, Unguarded on CNN, that there would have been a good chance he would have stayed in Miami if they had won that title. Boy, it would have been sure hard to leave if we would have won, but hey, I went to Cleveland. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, no, how can no one be upset about this? He's basically saying his letter that he wrote was a lie, that he scammed everyone, saying, I came back. For the kids of Akron. I want to do cherry work for Akron. I bled here. I grew up here. I lived here. And then now it comes out that he didn't. That's not why he went. It's because, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You seen Wade and Bosh? They don't look as, as good as Kyrie Irving in love. And can... Now, the more I think about this, is, like, I understand... Why people should be outraged I mean I'm a little bit upset I'm not going to throw a riot But I'm just like really And the more more I think about this Why should I expect anything different from, From LeBron I mean he's done this over the course of his career You know It's always been about LeBron James And no matter what he wants you to believe No matter what How he looks in public on commercials It's always been about him He goes to the heat This is Wade's team This is you know, this is Wade's team. Wade can do how he plays. I'm just going to feed off Wade. Well, I mean, Wade wasn't able to play how he played because LeBron comes in. LeBron is better. But you don't think Wade would have been as productive if he would have been able to play as he used to play where he had the ball in his hand and was slashing. Instead, LeBron comes over, completely forces Dwayne Wade on the fly to change his game. And, it, you know, Wade looks terrible. Wade's going to be the scapegoat. LeBron's not same thing happens to Chris, Bo- Chris Bosch he's a 20 twin guy he's a 2010 guy in toronto before he comes over to the heat where he has his back to his back to the basket where he's in the post and now he's forced to be a spot up three point shooter because lebron needs space to drive because that's lebron's game you know and, and then i was looking at this and i said lebron says wait a minute if i would have we would have won there would have been a good chance I would have stayed. And I'm like, you know, I I really shouldn't be surprised by this. And I'm I'm now the more I think about it, the more I'm not. And, you know, the players have the right to do what they want, you know, by leaving, you know, exploring better options, wanting to win a championship, go ahead. Day and age, team up, whatever. LeBron, do your thing. I think it's going to be an asterisk on his career. Jordan never did it. Bird never did it. Magic never did it. LeBron did it. Eh, it's an asterisk to me. Kobe never did it. There's an asterisk by LeBron to me. Eh, okay. It's fine with me. So players have the right to team up now. That's what everybody's doing. But le- if LeBron would have said, Wow, you have seen that Cavaliers team, if we can get love, that looks a lot better than Wade and Bosch. I would have been fine by that. I would have said, Okay, now we know what you we really know what you're about. We've kinda known, but now we really do. But he had to put you know, he had to bring emotions into it where I'm going home. This is my place. I, I bled here. I lived here, and I'm sure you did, LeBron. I'm sure that played played into it. But don't come out and say, you know, if we would have won that that championship, uh, I, I might be in Miami because it just it just doesn't look good. And uh, I mean, it just what what can I say? You know, LeBron's going to have the haters. LeBron's going to have the lovers, and uh, I'm just gonna I'm going to try to be in the middle from now on. I'm going to try to be reasonable. And you know I'm gonna to try to be reasonable about this, and I'm be, trying to be reasonable. And I, I just not, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of what he did here. Haven't been a fan of what he did since the decision. And um, I think he's a great player, great career, go down in history. But you know he, he'll always have an asterisk. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on to a player that's a villain in this league that everybody makes him out to be a villain, and that's what Russell Westbrook. And then. His name's been thrown around by his own coach as the best point guard in the league, which really made news, and Russell Westbrook obviously is going to agree with this statement, and I happen to completely agree with this as well. Last year, he averaged 21.8 points per game, 6.9 assists per game, 5.7 rebounds per game in the regular season. Then let's go into the playoffs and everything matters a little bit more. He upped his game to 26.7 points per game, 8.1 assists per game, 7.3 rebounds per game, for a point guard, he had three triple doubles in the postseason. Nobody else had one. That includes LeBron James, Kevin Durant. I mean, the dude is ridiculous. He's a six four point guard, athletic freak, probably the most athletic point guard to ever live, ever play in the NBA. And right now, Russell Westbrook is the best point guard in the league. He's better than Chris Paul. And I know Chris Paul is just a darling of the NBA, but look at this, Russell Westbrook. He's been in the league less. He's won 36 playoff games. Let's compare that to Chris Paul's 22, who has notoriously come up short in the playoffs. His averages might not be as bad, might not be worse than his regular season averages, but he doesn't he doesn't play like he wants to win. He you know he takes the back seat, lets other players facilitate. He's not taking it over like you see Russell Westbrook do, like what Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant do, where they want they want to win. I just don't see it in Chris Paul. And he's a great player. I love Chris Paul, but right now Russell Westbrook is the best point guard in the league. And then other players are gonna, other people are gonna say, you got Curry, Lillard, Kyrie. But I mean, Curry, as much as I love him, he's not the best point guard in the league. He does not play defense. Lillard, I mean, Lillard doesn't play defense. Kyrie Irving doesn't play defense. So you can't be the best point guard in the league and not play defense where you have to. Where, Put strain on big men, the people behind you You have to be able to stop who's in front of you And Russell Westbrook does that And that's why I think he's the best Best point guard in the league And um It's between him, Chris Paul And I'll throw Tony Parker in there, I didn't mention him But you know, I don't consider Tony Parker The best point guard in the league Because he, he doesn't have a three pointer And you know, he, he's not He's just not Flashy He He doesn't dribble with his left hand really um, he's got a good crossover, good spin move, but he's not Westbrook. He's not Paul. So the two guys, top of the time, two guys at the top of their games right now in their position are Westbrook and Paul. Simple as that. Westbrook gets the edge. So, But thank you for listening to the first ever Brad Wackeye show. On my next podcast, I'm going to be ranking the top 10 players in the NBA. It should be a good one. Stay tuned. I'm I'm going to tweet out these links. Follow me on Twitter, at BWakai. That's at B-W-A-K-A-I. Thanks for listening once again, and listen next time.